I shot two antelope, um, went up to southeast Alaska, shot two sick and blacktail, shot my um, five-point bull elk and a four-point mule deer on the same day. Yeah, that one was kind of, that was a crazy, crazy day. I always think that's kind of the, the joy of archery hunting is, is, you know, what what could take a rifle hunter an evening, you know, could take an archery guy five days to do it. But, you know, the five days you spend doing that are, I think, what, what makes archery hunting fun. So, Yeah, I just uh, at the Wild Sheep Foundation dinner in Montana this year, I bought a hunt credit to one of them outfitter up in BC and was trying to look to, to shoot a mountain goat. And, you know, I figured, hey, I'm not getting any any younger you know 29 years old today plus 11 we're here four days so my wife and i've been talking a lot lately and i said you know i'm not gonna have 25 more years of being able to hike around and you know hopefully we'll stay in shape and do what we do but you know i figured you know let's start getting some of these hunts down that i want to get off my bucket list so actually i had a moose cancellation so i'm gonna go up there and you know it was a good deal on a moose so i'm gonna go up and it's only about a 17 hour drive from montana so i can take my truck up and haul all the meat back to the RNA Outdoors podcast fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. 
Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. June 2nd. June 2nd. 2019. Beautiful Paso Robles, home of the uh, famous Lucas Paw, <laughs> social media influencer, yeah. hunter extraordinaire. Guide mode. Guide mode, 10 millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, so we're here. Uh, Mr. Tyler Houston, partner here at RNA, RNA Outdoors, it came down and visited Central Coast. Uh, he took a little work trip and took it into a little personal vacation he's turning uh what 29 yep, in a couple days forever. so 29 plus 11 but yeah so, so why uh, would i want to spend my 40th at home when i could be down hunting with you i when nikki <laughs> texts me and she's like okay tyler wants to spend his 40th birthday with you hunting pigs he doesn't want to spend it with his family i'm like in my mind i'm saying well can you blame him but i knew if i said that to your wife what kind of reaction i would get so and being the good wife that she is she said yeah yeah plan the trip so that was what that's been a month or two ago and then you and i connected at bha in boise i don't remember much of that trip in may yeah you i think you did the tune of a few jack and cokes a couple yeah not too many but i think it started at 10 and then i think by the end of the trip it ended up at 35 something like that it kept kept increasing i was like yeah "Yeah." Sounds well, better the more you have. Well, when you have an elk calling contest in inside the bar in Boise, that's and the rest of the bar is telling you to rip a bugle. It's you know you're in Idaho and I did mine in the bathroom, didn't I? In one place it was in the bathroom. <laughs> that was class. Good I, weekend. I can't remember the other place we were at, the spike or orchid or I don't remember what the heck it was called. <laughs> the backcountry hunters and anglers. The wild cactus. Rendezvous. Did so, good for us, the wild cactus. Yeah, so we had fun there and then it was about a month lapse and uh, you showed up on Friday. Had a little few delays with your plane but dropped in on Friday and, and got here on the coast and got unpacked and we went out and glassed up some pigs. Got in on some pigs. Just that was fun, man, right, right away. Couldn't make it happen but... Um, yeah, and the well, it's a funny thing, and we'll talk more about kind of the the events that happened yesterday. But it's amazing how you can basically get in on a group of pigs at thirty yards, and they have no clear there, right? And then you're at one hundred and fifty yards, and one puts its nose up and wins you, and they're gone. Yeah, and that's why I love hunting pigs so much because they're a lot like hunting a lot of the western game because they do have a good sense of smell. It's just their eyesight, and they're so low to the ground they don't see very well, but. Um, I mean, their noses are incredible, what they yeah. can pick up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it kind of compares to, like, especially archery. With the rifle, it's pretty easy. I don't think it's real hard yeah. to come out and shoot a pig. But yeah. it compares to me as, like, on, you know, Antelope in Montana, Wyoming, wherever you're at. It's real similar to that. Sometimes you get a rifle out, and everyone fills their tag, 90% odds. But as soon as you put a bow in your hand and different try to story, get it right? 30, 40 yards, it's a big difference. Yeah. Big difference. I, I always think that's kind of the, the joy of archery hunting is, is, you know, what – what could take a rifle hunter an evening, you know, could take an archery guy five days to do it. But, you know, the five days you spend doing that are, I think, what, what makes archery hunting fun. So, Yep, no, it's true. Let's do the same thing a couple of years in Wyoming when I had that five days chasing antelope around. Yeah. Drove down there in one hour with rifle season and filled my tag. Yeah. That's just how it goes. That's why I love archery hunting. Yeah. Way more of a challenge, way more fun. Yeah. Well, the beauty of 
antelope hunting, as you know, is, is, I mean, especially in Wyoming, you can hunt all day long. You can hunt into the evening before the sun goes down and you're probably going to chase 20 different bucks, yeah. right? Or maybe the same buck a few times, but literally drive over the next ridge and there's going to be, you know, two, three more bucks there waiting for you to put a stock on them. Yep. You can blow a stock after stock after stock. And yeah. Just keep going. Till you get what'd, you, what'd you name that video? The boomstick to the, or the... Yeah. Sharp stick to the boomstick. Sharp stick to the boomstick. Sharp stick to the boomstick. And you had you had goats with your bow, right? You had opportunities. You just a couple. I mean, you know, there was a couple long shots that I chose not to take, like getting out there ninety, hundred yards, and I ended up getting into a little water hole that I found, an old one. It was completely abandoned. Probably been sitting out there. Someone built it thirty years ago, and the roof was half caved in, and got in that blind for like five minutes, and antelope came right into it, and I ended up missing a shot. Sure, right. Everyone's back about thirty-five yards. One of those shots you want to take back. Sure. Yeah, so it was a good hunt. It was fun. Yeah. Got to learn a lot. See a lot of ground. New area that I never hunted before. So. Yeah. Never even scouted it. Just drove down there. Called one of the landowners that got some permission. That had a bunch of checkerboard, public and and uh, private. And he let me on. And yeah, it was good. It was fun hunting. So you by myself five days. Yeah, I remember you you drawn that tag, and I I hunted that unit previously, and kind of. Gave you a little bit of insight, but, um, you know, you got it done. You shot a nice goat there for sure. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yep. Bonsai down there when it was snowing like crazy in Montana. That's right. In October and shot my buck and yep. drove back six hours down, shot my buck, gutted out, drove back home that night. <laughs> <laughs> that is the beauty of... 14, 15 hour trip to go shoot an antelope. That is the beauty of hunting an antelope with a rifle. Plus where you live too. So you've kind of bounced around. Maybe you can tell a little bit of your story, but I mean, you've hunted overseas you've hunted you've hunted we were talking about that gazelle that you hunted i mean that's like i mean most people probably in their life will never hunt an animal like that but you've 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 traveled the world done a lot of hunting and now you've landed back in montana again yeah when i lived in dubai for nine years i didn't realize they started uh allowing people foreigners to come and hunt some gazelle and arabian oryx there so actually i think you're the one that showed me a post on facebook that craig boddington did because i know you know craig pretty well from here in paso robles so um, I contacted the guy and he said, yeah, come on out. And there was only, they've been doing it for a couple of years. I was the first American to actually go out there and shoot, uh, um, a gazelle, a mountain gazelle. That's what I ended up shooting. And, uh, you know, it's all, they used to be down to no animals there. I mean, it was almost extinct, you know, similar to the kind of how it was here in the U S with elk and, and antelope and buffalo and everything was basically extinct. And they, they kind of took a similar model in North America and just started, you know, saving the species, not allowing the locals to hunt anymore. And, you know, they went from having maybe 10,000 entire uh, Arabian gazelles, um, mountain gazelle and sand gazelle in the whole country, actually in the whole Arabian Peninsula, to now they've got over 100,000 Wow! between the areas. So same kind of thing. They just protected them, and now they're slowly letting people come back and hunt them. And it was pretty neat. It was a good experience, you know. And it's all like good you're experience. literally in a desert then. I mean, you're not. Yeah, I mean, I was hunting, you know, if you see the video on, on YouTube, I was walking around and, barefooted because walking through sand with any kind of boot or yeah shoe was just horrible so wow and it was cool temperatures usually it's pretty hot there but i was in march early march and i think that was a 20 2017 that i shot that yeah that was fun it's a good time it wasn't real super difficult hunting but those things are wild i mean it's like yeah. a five thousand acre preserve and I mean, we got over the ridge a couple times, three, four hundred yards away, and you'd see those things. And they're not very big. I think I got about 15 pounds of meat off that. Yeah. When I shot mine, you know, uh, I asked the guy, and I said, hey, can I take all the meat? And he's like, you want it? And I was like, yeah, of course. It's the only reason why I come out here hunting. I said, I want to try it out. He's like, yeah, no problem. 
So they package it all up cut for it, me. Cut it up in a one-gallon bag. Cut it and up walk pretty away. much. And I said, just <laughs> get it off the get off the bone. I mean, I'll help you out and cut out the back straps and everything. And then I took it home and made some tacos for some of the boys there at work. A bunch of Australians that don't really hunt and a couple French guys. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, they were pretty interested. That uh, They called me the redneck hillbilly from Montana that goes out <laughs> and kills stuff in the UAE. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, I was going to say that I didn't even realize I was hunting in Dubai or in the Emirates there area and... And, but you're right, like the Arabian oryx, that's a pretty sacred species. Yeah, I mean, that, that one's, you know, it's still on the CITES list or CITES, whatever you pronounce that. So it's still, um, they still have some hunters come over. Europeans can come shoot them and take them, but you can't get them back in the United States right now. They're still on the list. I think there's only about 40,000, they estimate, um, worldwide. They're around, mostly in the Arabian Peninsula, and there's some kind of in northern Africa. And it just looks like your Gemsbuck or mm-hmm. oryx from Africa, but they're uh, white kind of a red patch in their face they're really neat looking huh. really pretty same horn configuration yep same thing you know long straight you know 40 50 inch horn and yeah, yeah really pretty huh yeah and there's quite a few of them there you know, that's they, cool they've kind of done the same thing so nine years spent over there and then yeah. came back couldn't couldn't deal with living over there anymore or I got homesick or the wife would still be there but i had to come back and do some hunting and fishing i yeah. was missing you guys too yeah much. we missed you yeah no so i ended up coming back to montana in 2017 and Took six months off and hunted about every day. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I shot a lot of animals. Yeah, you were busy in 17. It's amazing how much more animals you can kill when you put the time in to scout them, find out where they're at, and go shoot something. So I filled six of my tags. I wasn't fortunate to shoot a buffalo. I actually had a a cow-calf buffalo tag in Wyoming that year, and just no snow. Yeah. It was tough hunting. No migration. Yeah, they ended up giving, um, you know, usually the, the harvest rate there is like 90%. I think that year they filled about 40, 35 to 40% of their tags. So they were actually good enough. I mean, that's an expensive tag. Yeah. The cow calf was $1,000. And then the bull tag was 2500 And they ended up giving us, everyone that didn't harvest actually got their money back. They okay. gave us all a refund. Wow, which, that's Which was cool. pretty neat. I mean, you didn't even really have to ask for it. They just knew it was a tough year. And, yeah. You know, I spent three or four trips going down there. I probably spent two or three thousand dollars oh, myself yeah. just going down to stay in, stay in hotels in jackson hole wyoming is not real cheap so. yeah and is that literally like they just got to like cross a road or cross like one area and then yeah, they're they illegal gotta, they got to come out of the national park there grand teton national park and they got to come down into where that um elk management the wildlife refuge is and that's the only place you can hunt them there's a couple like state and forest service sections that they'll come off of but that's kind of higher up in the mountains so they've caught a few bulls that'll go up into there but said so cow calves are the hardest to shoot by far. Huh. So they just hang out low down in the national park. Yeah. And then they migrate into the elk refuge. So the only thing that pushes them there, and there's a lot of snow. So when there's not a lot of snow, you know, they just, there's enough feed for them north of the, of the elk refuge. So they just hang out yeah, there. There's no and reason. They just, they just got to cross back and forth. And then the weekend before that season was done with, um, I took uh, Ben's dad, one of our other partners. His dad came down with me, big wave Dave. PWD. Yep. And he went down, and we spent three days there. Um, you're just watching bulls or watching a herd of buffalo two miles away, just hoping that they keep migrating south. So the day we left, um, they were only about 500 yards, and they got to cross a river and then get up into the elk refuge. So it's not like they just walk across the fence. You know, it's open, but it's pretty tough for them to get in. You know, they got to cross the river. And so we sat there and watched them till I don't know, late evening Sunday, and then I got a number from a couple guys that were down there hunting, got a message Monday morning. And said 30, uh, 35 cows and bulls were taken that morning. 
Wow. They crossed that night. I drove back. I had to get back yeah, to you work. Were... And oh. Yeah, so it was, the, it was the only harvest they had the whole year. That was it. You know, whoever was there at the time, I guess it was just kind of a slaughter. But, you know, Jeez. that's how those hunts are in Montana, too. It's, yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So I didn't get to fill my tag, but and now those tags in Wyoming have gone from, I think a cow-calf tag is pushing $2,500 now mm-hmm. in Wyoming for buffalo, and the bulls are over 4500 now. Well, that's Arizona Kaibab. Mm-hmm. They're in that range. And then um, Henry Mountains in Utah is one of the only other free-range buffalo hunts in the United States. Yeah. That's free-range you can draw versus just going and paying, you know, there's 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 places here in California that you can actually hunt them on Catalina Island too. They have bison yeah. there. Private ranch. Thing. Yeah. The only has got to go pay. They're, They're expensive. neat, man. I mean, I yeah. think, you know, you, I've seen a lot of Buffalo growing up in Montana, but being able to get that opportunity to go hunt them. I mean, it was definitely one of the, the one things I really want to do. Yeah. Bison, 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 you know, a lot of meat. Good meat. Yeah, a ton, man. That's what I was really looking forward to, to shooting one. So unfortunately I didn't get a chance to, to harvest my Buffalo and that's definitely on my list at some point. And, and I'll keep putting in for tags in Montana. I don't yeah. know if I can suck up the $4,500 or so for a That's tag a lot in of money. Montana but, or in Wyoming. But Think about what you could go hunt for on $4,500. But, you know, if, if partly because there's a lot of guys that want to shoot like Cape Buffalo, they want to shoot water buffalo in, in our, mm-hmm. you know, in Australia, then they want to shoot American buffalo. So there's that kind of slam too that a lot of people in their life desire to shoot. And yeah. bison buffaloes, I mean, it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, they're just such a pretty animal too. You know, it's like the American icon. They've been, you know, what do they estimate? There was 20 some million, over 20 million in the yeah. United States and one part of North America at one point. Almost extinct. Yep. Down to a couple thousand. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Another amazing. good conservation story. Yep. The North American model of conservation, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, we owe a lot to that guy for yep, recognizing for sure. the problems that they were having and what could happen if we allow all the uh, wildlife in America to go extinct. So Not to be managed. Yep. So you had a good year too. You in the same day you shot a bull and a buck too, right? Yeah, that same year. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. <laughs> that was no, a crazy year. You shot? Did you shoot like three antelope or two antelope? I day? shot two antelope. Um, went up to southeast Alaska. Shot two sick and black. That's tail. right. Shot my um, five point bull elk and a four point mule deer on the same day. That's right. Yeah, that one was kind of that was a crazy crazy day. The day before, I've never shot. We talked about this once with uh, Corey Jacobson on Elk 101. Telling a story, I've never shot a six-point bull, as you know. Yeah. I get a little trigger You get the curse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's trigger-happy, maybe. You almost did that day, though. Yeah. Didn't you have well, one in your be- sights? The day before, I hiked two miles and found this herd, two and a half, three miles back into the, you know, where we spotted them. Got all the way back in there, and Nikki's dad again was with me, my wife's dad, Ben's uh, dad. Went down in. He kind of stayed back behind me. Um, I just kind of booked over there. Had a nice six-point in the sights. Got all set up. Had the scope dialed in. Click it off safety. Just getting ready to squeeze the trigger as it turns. And boom! And I thought my gun went off. You know, scared the heck out of me. And I uh, this bull just drops right in my scope. And then I hear this guy up on the ridge. I couldn't see him. He was just only about three, 400 yards away from me. Kind of had a different angle at it. He starts cheering. Celebrating. And I'm like, yeah. There goes my six-point chance again. Yeah. So, and there was a bunch of elk in there. Um, Nikki's dad ended up shooting at a couple of bulls that came running out of the timber below me that I didn't see right after that. And then the next morning, I went back in a similar area by myself. It was a Monday morning, and I was off work for taking my little sabbatical before I go back to work after being in Dubai. And uh, hiked up this little ridge about a, about a mile um, up to where the elk were at and looked down about six, 700 yards away. There was a couple of bulls working them way up, up through the timber. 
heading towards the, or up through the open, heading towards the timber for the morning. I set up and ended up shooting my bull, kind of long distance. You know, I've never done a lot of long distance hunting. Yeah. But that year, I kind of got set up with a nice 300 Ultra Mag and did some long distance practicing and shooting. I felt pretty comfortable about about 700 yards and I ended up uh, shooting my bull about 650. Wow. Long and then it was all by myself. It was all the way down in a you know big canyon. So I shot that bull at 7 in the morning. I completely butchered it, cut it all up myself. I didn't take it off the bone, but quartered all of it. And took three packs out back up to where the ranger was parked. And that took me till about 4 o'clock. So I'm driving out of the mountains, you know, just exhausted all by myself, cutting that thing up. It took me you know, mm-hmm. a good nine hours to yeah, that's get a, it quartered and that's packed all. out. And it was only about a mile and a half hike, but it was just straight uphill. Then as I'm coming out, you know, I look up on the hillside just, you know, right as coming out of the Forest Service into private property. And I look over and here's about 20 deer standing on the hillside. You know, slammer and slammer on the brakes and look over. And there's, you know, decent four point for that area that I hunt is, yeah. it was a decent four point, probably one of the bigger ones I've seen up there. And sure enough, he's, you know, middle of the rut. It's middle of November and doesn't even care about you, right? Doesn't even know you're there. Doesn't even pay attention at all. So I, you know, pull the gun out, walk over the side of the road and lean down and shoot this four point right there <laughs> in the truck and right there off the road. And I mean, sometimes after working as hard as I did to shoot yeah. that elk and then having that opportunity. So, yeah, it was pretty funny pulling out of that. After I got that deer gutted, I was right at dark. And so I'm pulling out of that area. You know, I hop on the highway, and it was about a six- or seven-mile trek when, the, when I had my ranger. And a couple guys come driving by me, and they see us. You know, I got the rack of the elk hanging out the back of the ranger. <laughs> Deer's kind of piled four by in four there. buck like, hanging out the back. Yeah, these guys kind of stopped me. And, you know, they wanted to talk, but I was just so exhausted. I was yeah. like, yeah, you know, I shot it up here. Yeah, guys, good yeah. luck to you. Was there any elk with it? No. One bowl, that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, so. What a day. Yeah. I remember good, getting man. the picture in the morning or mid-morning of your bowl, yeah. and we were all hooting and hollering about that. And then <laughs> it wasn't probably more, I could say, yeah, probably later in the afternoon. Or it might have been the next day you'd send the picture of the buck, and you'd tag both of them the same day. I'm not sure many people have ever done anything like that. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I mean, that's definitely a. But that's, you know, a matter of spending a lot of time in the woods and yeah. not just being the weekend warrior. And, you know, I definitely have seen way more animals hunting off of weekends. You know, they just get pressured so much from people yeah. are out, especially in a state like Montana where it's pretty general. A lot of guys come hunting. But if I could just hunt Monday through Thursday and be at home with the family, that's what I would do. Yeah. Well, that's part of the strategy, you know, when we come up, it's like we spend eight, ten days, but it's the majority of our better hunting happens, you know, during the week because there's just not the pressure. I mean, everyone breaks down camp Sunday, midday after their morning hunt and they're gone. And then, you know, Monday is a whole new world out in the elk woods. If you're hunting elk or whatever you're hunting on during the week. No, it's true. And I think you've probably taught me more than anything. Well, I did it a couple of times and I started archery hunting, you know, I was 23 years old and I started archery hunting and you started coming up and just taking like a whole week, 10 days. And you know, I'd come up and start hunting with you, Ben. We got into more elk than, you know, I'd ever, normally it was maybe, a, you know, I'd take a Friday off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and go hunting like that. Obviously, when I was living in Dubai, I'd come over once a year, and I'd mm-hmm. hunt two, three weeks straight, but I always had family obligations, and yeah. you ended up doing a lot of stuff during the week. So, yeah, definitely is a big advantage of going during the week. You know, yeah. everyone else is... Yep. Everyone else is leaving the animals alone. Or Unless you've got a tag and, that's, you know, like an Arizona or New Mexico tag that's a 10-day tag, 10-day season. Yeah. You know, you're going you're gonna to spend all the time there until you harvest. But when you've got a general tag like Idaho or, or like Montana, or, um, 
where they're long general seasons, I mean, that's, that's the time to capture and, and really get after the elk or the deer or whatever is during the week. That's at least my opinion, but yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. So yeah, cool. that's good. No, so now I'm back in Montana permanently and took a job in billing. So just trying to get used to that area. Never, uh, never really hunted much out in Eastern Montana, you know, a little bit with antelope when I was growing up as a kid, but yeah, so it's different. It's a different beast out there. A lot of private land. It's like, yeah. you know, you know, coming down to Paso where you live here and just, you know, you got a good opportunity here. It's a lot of private land. Obviously I know you, Yep. you kind of bounce back and forth between both and yeah, you know, it's just getting harder and harder, you know, the more I think, you know, like guys and outfitters are leasing up land or just people like you and I that have some money, found a place that's got some money. You could go lease up a property. And that's really yep. been pretty prevalent in a state like Montana and everywhere else for that matter, I think. But yeah. So I'm no. kind of navigating that. Hopefully we can uh, find some good good places to little honey holes out there in eastern Montana. And Yeah. Well, I mean, in the last few years, there's been some pretty incredible animals taken out of eastern Montana. The Felix Bowl in the same year, there was another bowl that was right around the 400 class range, which yeah. took the state blew record, up. Montana state record. Yeah. yeah, blew up Montana, the general, you yeah. know. So everyone was buying elk tags. You couldn't buy a leftover elk tag. And I think now they're starting to become more available again. But Yeah, and that area is not far from from uh, where I live now in Billings, but from what I've heard the last couple of years, it's just been a war zone in there now. People everywhere. It's like a rifle hunt in Colorado. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Looks like just a bunch of orange pumpkins everywhere when you go hunting Colorado, yeah. especially in like the second and third rifle season. It's just, it's almost not even fun anymore doing that in Colorado. Yeah. So. Yep, you've had some pretty good seasons too, man. What do you, uh, yeah. You got a couple of good hunts coming up this year as well. Yeah. Together, right? This year's been kind of a whirlwind. Shot pig and shot some javelina went to texas shot a black buck and then um slammed a couple turkeys up north in northern california and right now it's just going to be um you know probably take a few more pig hunters uh in between now until july and then once second week of july hits you know our blacktail season starts here uh which will keep keep us pretty busy and chasing blacktails uh, in and, 100 degree weather, right? 100 degree weather. Are you yeah. hunting in shorts when you're hunting that time? Um, I'll probably not be in shorts with deer. Pig's a little different. Pig to me is like a, a gentleman's sport, but deer's a little different. Uh, a little more cagey, and they're a little tougher to kill. But yeah. Um, yeah, and then going into August will be just continued deer, and then September we've got this uh, moose hunt in uh, in uh, western Alaska, southwestern or central western Alaska. So that's going to be fun. That'll be a um, taken 15 days but it'll be 12 days three days of travel 12 days of of hunting for uh alaskan moose in the antioch area you're gonna try shooting with your bow too right yeah so bring in my bow and yeah awesome that's it we're me and cody who went with uh to kodiak with me last year we're just taking bows so no gun at all no gun really yep yeah there you go man so if you're gonna do it it's one of those things i mean in talk more about your pig hunt but it's like if you have the opportunity and you got your bow in your hand you you definitely want to capitalize but i think if you solely rely on the rifle you can always fall back to it and not sometimes give your bow um you know the justice that it deserves or the hunt that it deserves because it's it's too easy to just grab a rifle yeah right no so. i absolutely agree i think you know we both love bow hunting so much that it's just getting that close distance to an animal is just so much tougher and it's yep. just i think it's more exhilarating when you actually do you know when you shoot something it's I think we all get excited, you know, shoot a rifle. But when you shoot something with a bow and you're at that close of a distance, yeah. you know, you had to work usually pretty hard to get in there. That it's just, it's just such a better feeling, you know. I mean, yeah. No, there's much more of an accomplishment, and to 
get that close to an animal, be in their, I would say their sixth sense zone, right? Where all five senses you've basically, um, you know, you've, you've been able to defeat those five senses and it's like their sixth sense of just being in their environment and being that close. And, uh, it is, it's like even like hunting with some of these guys that do trad stuff and getting in like less than 10 yards on animals. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like any little subtle move or thing you do, I mean, they're just right there, but as long as you keep the wind right, they, it's, it's incredible. How you much know? closer you can get. Yeah, yeah. How much closer you can get. So yeah, so we'll do that. And then I'm going to plan to come back in October, um, early, probably early October and do some, um, later, uh, later elk hunting with my bow and then usually come back and do the Thanksgiving deer hunt that you and I might connect on yeah, um, over yeah. Thanksgiving. So we yeah. can do a little mule deer rut hunt. So yeah, that'll, that'll, um, close that out. And then good friend of ours drew a desert sheep tag in Nevada. So that yep. starts in late November into January. So I'm hopeful that I can spend some weekends and maybe some time and going up and helping him do that hunt. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. That'll be exciting for him too. You know, it's, it's one of my good friends. Obviously we've both been good buddies with him. He was in my wedding and stuff and uh, yep. draws a desert bighorn sheep tag with two points. Right? Two the points in Nevada. Get a irritated when we say this, but yeah. two points in Nevada. And well, how many points did you have when you drew yours? I had eight when I had mine. So it wasn't like I was a nice yeah. point older. I mean, it wasn't, it's not a, a trophy area, but I mean, any desert bighorn sheep to me is just yep. an amazing feat. So yep. yeah, I'm pretty excited for our buddy Mike there to, yeah, he hasn't shot an animal in 20 years, and finally started putting in for uh, for uh, for some tags around Nevada, and yeah, that's great. It's pretty exciting. Well, actually, I down. think when I was down at Reno two or three years ago, I started talking to him about applying in Nevada. I'm like, you're crazy if you don't apply here as a resident. You know, I mean, for any species, I mean, Nevada has some of the best quality animals of any state. So I think he started applying then. And yeah. uh, funny thing, two years later, he, I get this text from him. And I see, and I pull up the picture, and it's a screenshot of the Nevada draw because I had gotten my results not successful across the board. And I'm yeah, looking, sent it to you and I, yeah. and I see, yeah, in the group text, I see desert bighorn ram, any weapon, successful, and I just about lost it. So then I think I put, I can't remember what I replied, like, "Are you kidding me?" or something. And he's like, "No, I drew," and I think you jumped on the message, and so it was cool to see that. Cool to see a guy like that. Yeah, I just draw. said, "Congrats!" I don't know when the season is, but I'm in. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's that. And then you've, uh, you've got kind of a little exciting adventure ahead too as well, right? Yeah. I just, uh, at the wild sheep foundation dinner in Montana this year, I bought a hunt credit to one of an outfitter up in BC and was trying to look to, to shoot a mountain goat. And, you know, I figured, Hey, I'm not getting any, any younger, you know, 29 years old today, plus 11 yep. or here in four days. So my wife and I have been talking a lot lately and I said, you know, I'm not going to have 25 more years of being able to hike around and, you know, hopefully we'll stay in shape and do what we do. But, you know, I figured, you know, let's start getting some of these hunts down. I want to get off my bucket list. So I actually had a moose cancellation, so I'm going to go up there and, you know, it was a good deal on a moose. So I'm going to go up and it's only about a 17 hour drive from Montana. So I can take my truck up and haul all the meat back, which is that's, that's huge. beneficial. Yeah. So I thought about doing the mountain goat and it's like, yeah, that'd be great because it was similar similar price and stuff obviously i'm not a, a bazillionaire so it's all budget and just got to go do it save yeah. some money and go and uh so i'm gonna drive up there and um you know figure the mountain goat i can come shoot some other time and yeah. might as well be able to take the meat back home and you know not have to worry about it so i'm gonna go up there the uh what is it october 1st through the 7th is that hunt? it's only a seven day hunt but and it's in british columbia in the yeah, northern british columbia northwest yeah. area like yeah north? it's kind of west of banff um, okay uh, I can't remember the exact town, but yeah, kind of west of Banff up in there. Looks like some beautiful country. So. Yeah. 
Well, that'll be cool. That, yeah, so that, what's about neat about you is you can drive up there. You can take all the gear that you want. Yep. And of course you can obviously the, the, the antlers and the head and the cape and all that, if, depending on what you want to do with it. But all the meat, that's, that's huge. See our trip where we've got three different flights with three different airlines. So baggage costs and, yep. you know, all your gear. And then on top of it, if you're going to bring a box of meat back or whatever, it, it's, that's where it gets pricey on it's these trips. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, yeah, you, know, you can do these DIY moose hunts by yourself and it's, you know, five grand to fly in and do this. But when you start, people got to pencil in the cost coming back when you do get something is, yeah. you know, how are you going to get that head back that weighs, what's an antler, uh, you know, a, a rack of moose antlers. Oh yeah. They're 50 to 70 50 pounds. pounds. Yeah. yeah. And then the you head. got all your meat, you know, you're talking two, three, 400 pounds of meat. Well, probably four or 500 pounds of meat on a big mature bowl and I mean, that adds up but, yeah i mean that's what you will go up there to hunt for so it's yeah the cool thing about this trip we'll go on is is they've got a lot of places that the meat can be donated so um you know and, and with alaska you got to salvage all the the usable meat that you can so it's going to be a grind getting all that out but then he's got he's got places that people will take the meat so yeah. whatever we don't take which would probably be you know i'll likely take back straps loins a lot of the good cuts and then yep. probably donate a lot of the rest we'll have a place to go so it won't it won't go to waste so yeah and that's you know something i've hunted alaska and you've been there last year is a lot of locals really appreciate that yeah you know they all don't have a chance to hunt and you know alaska even does that where you can actually fill someone else's tag for like sick of black tailed deer yep if some guys you know old enough not to get out and hunt or his knees are bad is someone else can actually go shoot something for him bring the meat to them so yeah still a lot of subsistence hunting up there in alaska yeah. so or if you've got a caribou tag you don't see a caribou and you see a deer you can shoot a deer with that tag as long as it has the same value or less yeah. right yeah. so that's that is one cool thing about alaska and excited yeah. to go back this year i think i'll plan to do alaska every year of my life something if i can yeah there's something about alaska that's incredible yeah and we were talking the other day is you know there's there's a couple good mountain goat hunts that that i'd like to look at going up there you know yep. back in kodiak or something for else sure in, in alaska where you know just those tags are so hard to draw now and it just gets harder and harder every year that, yeah you know at some point it's a uh, it's got to go do it unless you can have two points and draw a desert bighorn sheep tag for 120 yeah. bucks wow. i think that's what i paid for mine when i shot mine five years ago so <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible yeah, yeah. That's yeah, but Nevada has a lot of opportunities for goat do, or for yeah. sheep, even for non-residents. So it's one of the best yeah. for non-residents. But that state has done a fantastic job of putting sheep back on the mountain. Yeah, really has. Yeah. So, Pastor Robles, California pig hunting. So, man, what a what a kind of a ups and downs from Friday to yesterday morning. We went out and uh, was kind of a little bit barren. We we hooked up with Brad our buddy Brad went out and, uh, we saw pigs in the morning, yeah. just couldn't, couldn't make it happen. There was, um, probably I would say 10 to 12 pigs that kind of gave us a slip and a couple, couple of good size, yeah, a couple of big sows, a we couple of good size sows that, that mm -hmm. looked pretty good and possibly could have maybe got the rifle out and shot. But I think we were pretty, we're trying to get you to, to get one close with the bow and, and, um, yeah, and so Saturday morning didn't really pan out. Um, went and hung out Saturday afternoon, and then we went back out to the same um, hunting concession that we'd hunted that morning. And I don't know, maybe you can just kind of talk about your experience. We sat up on the ridge and were glassing, and uh, everything kind of started shaping itself. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I mean, everyone thinks that like, you come to California, and it's like, oh, you know, it's full of hippies and uh, liberals and stuff. But the hunting here really is amazing. I mean, there's yep. some great places to hunt here and now don't tell everybody that but, i won't you know 
Well, it's, you got to have some private land. You can't hunt any public, so there's nothing on public land. So don't. That's come, right. So don't come down here and hunt. And there's, there's no there's public land here, no, so not in zero. No. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this in this it's such a beautiful area around here. Really, it is. I mean it's it's just gorgeous. You got a lot of rolling hills and yep, oaks, know, oaks and vineyards everywhere. Just a beautiful place. And uh, so no, just getting up on the mountain with you guys and just kind of glassing for for pigs. We got up there around five thirty and. You know, it wasn't too hot last night, but it kind of stifled. A little storm kind of started blowing in and cooled down. But, you know, like you guys said, if we'll wait till probably about the last hour, and that's usually when the pigs start just boiling out of the timber or out of the, the oaks, and they mm-hmm. come out of their bedding zones. And sure enough, you know, when you use the word boiling, you're like, really? They just come running out? So we're sitting up there looking at this little point, and uh, you look over and say, here they come. Look down, you know, probably five, six hundred yards away. Yeah, it was like six forty, I think it was, or something. Literally single file, just boiling, boiling right out of the trees. Like, Thirty, thirty-five of them. Just yeah, they were just on a mission just to go yep. get into that barley and start eating and feeding. And I mean, that's kind of neat. I mean, I don't care if it's a pig or not. A lot of people think they're easy to shoot, and there's a lot of them, but they're a smart animal. They yeah. really are. I mean, no like doubt. I said earlier, you get the wind at your back, and I think they are more cagey than any elk or any deer you'll see. I mean, elk sometimes look at you. I mean, uh, you know, Friday night was a perfect example of that. 150 yards away or 120 yards away, and that one board I was in front lifted up his head, shoulders came up, and he said, we're done. Yep. Sure enough, those things just turned and got on. So then we got the wind in our in our favor down here, kind of drove down the road, and then we hiked out into the, into the field, and that grass was waist high. So those pigs just disappear in that stuff it's amazing isn't it i mean it was crazy i never and, i didn't even think about that you know until we, we started pretty chasing decent them. sized pigs i mean yep. you know yep and i've been pig hunting one time and uh over in, um not too far from here about an hour from here and uh there we hunted and it was all you know there wasn't like open grass barley and stuff that's grown real high it was pretty open you see a pig half a mile away you could pick them out on the hillside mm-hmm. so coming here with that tall of grass and and yeah. shrubs and stuff was just those things, you know, you could hear them rooting through the grass. You can see the grass moving, mm-hmm. but you're only 70, 80 yards away, and you can't see them at all. I mean, at all. It's a trip. Yeah, it was crazy. So we're just standing there, and, you know, I'm pretty short, so trying to see over that, you know, there's a couple little swales. We were hoping they would come out into a little shorter grass. So Brad, your your friend that was with us, he's, you know, whatever he's Brad, is 6'4", something like yeah, that, 6'5". Yeah, he's 6'5", I guy, think. He's like, yeah, there's one right there. He's like, I can't see. can't see nothing. <laughs> You can just see the grass moving, little, yep. bla- little black figures kind of moving through it. You can hear them kind of rooting, and they start kind of fighting with each other a little bit. And Squealing. You could hear that a little bit. Yeah. You yep. knew they were close. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can hear them just rooting. They're just they're loud animals. Really yeah. They are. They're just rooting and, and squealing at each other. And yeah. So next thing we know is, uh, you know, we kind of creep down to where we thought there was just a little bit of a dip, kind of a draw, and the grass just kind of slightly, kind of right that little draw, there was no grass really running through. It looked like a little spring or something runs through that area periodically. So we're standing there, and, uh, you know, that first one comes out, and you're kind of over on the side of me just in case with a rifle if one popped out, if mm-hmm. I need to try and fill my tag. And uh, so I got set up, and I couldn't see the first, you know, pig that comes out couldn't tell if it was a boar or sow or not and uh, he comes out and brad's like there's one right there shoot it so we're ranging you know 30 33 yards and i couldn't see it all i could see was like the very top outline of its back you know him standing right next to me yeah, had a pretty clear shot of yeah. the vitals and everything and i yeah. couldn't see nothing so that one kind of spooks off and goes into the back of the brush and their feet and they have no idea where they were there i mean none 
33 yards. 33 yards. Yeah. The wind just blowing, you know, straight yeah, away perfect. from us, right back into our face. It was and perfect. I mean, I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing is no matter what big game animal you're hunting, the wind is the most important thing Yeah, by far. Aside from turkeys, because turkeys don't even have a sense of smell. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, I mean, I don't know any other animal that, I mean, again, see you once, hear you twice, but if they smell you once, yep. done. And they're the same way. Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty amazing. So then the next, uh, another pig kind of walks out right behind this one. And all I could see was about the top, maybe four inches of its back. There's 33 yards. As I just put it right where I could see it. 33 yards and just put my 30 pin right on it. And I'm in holding for quite a while. We got a pretty good video of it that we'll, uh, yeah. um, I'm sure we'll put out here on social media or, or uh, Lucas will put out at some point, or you can go look at it. This will, uh, this podcast will come out afterwards. But so I just drew back and I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and, and Brad's like, can you see it? And I was like, I can't, I can't see. I don't have any shot. I'm too short. I'm too short. Kept down on that. I'm too short. That sounded like the noise right there. So I yes, draw sir. back, and, you know, finally that thing kind of just turns just slightly, and he was quartering pretty good. So I just, you know, kind of put it where I could see kind of the edge of his ear, just drop back about six inches and put down, and I... Let it rip. Let it rip, and you hear that arrow just whack. <laughs> that would be me in the background <laughs> laughing, which probably isn't funny, but... Yeah, I sure thought that was funny. Man, that was crazy. Just hearing that Stroke thing. Stroke that thing, like man. Crazy. Man. And I looked, turned, turned around to you, and I was like, man, it ain't going anywhere. I spined it. <laughs> and I, I actually hit it pretty high, but we ended up puncturing the lung on it. Yeah. So it, it dropped right where it was at. And yeah, it didn't go no. 10 minutes, and it, and it was done. But yeah, I mean, if that, maybe even a couple But that was when I was thinking about your shot, because I was to the left, and I was back up in case it got western or you know, if, in case you missed or, or hit, you know, far back or something, we needed a follow-up shot. But um, from what I could see is all I could see was that pig come out and expose probably from basically its head back, probably quarter way back um, to probably the midsection of its body. That was it because there was so much barley in there that yeah. you couldn't see. So that was my vantage point thinking, okay, because I saw the first pig come through and it was like a little calico yeah. come through and I saw that black one come in and sit there. And But you were drawn back for, I would say, at least 30 seconds. Yeah, at least, yeah. And you were drawn back. The first one cleared. The next one came through and that's when the one I knew. And then when I heard that arrow release, it was just like... <laughs> Man. that's that sweet sound that here just you can just hear the yeah whack you know yep. and you just know you hit one good you know Solid. You something like that yeah. yeah and the rest of them of course there was about 25 to 30 in the group and some piglets they scattered but they didn't go that far they just didn't know what happened right yeah. they heard they heard that one squealing and, and kicking around but um, we literally could have probably went in and, and hammered another one because then they kind of oh, started sure. yeah. coming back again. You could kind of start seeing the, the grass and the barley moving again. And but. that's another advantage with a bow shooting archery is they don't really know what's going on. That one sound, especially if the one doesn't take off, it drops right there. They're confused. They, they can't don't know see. What, they don't know what happened. They don't know what's going on. You shoot a rifle and those things would have Gunshot, been. Gunshot, it would have been. Oh, man. Jailbreak. Been, yeah, it would have been on. two miles away in no time. So yeah. That was cool. And, you know, you guys, uh, I look over Brad and he's got his pistol kind of out and I'm thinking... You know, I'm not used to that being, I don't pig hunt. It's only the second pig hunt I've ever been on in my life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys are kind of getting ready with the guns thinking, you know, that thing gets up and might come right at us. And, yeah. and you know, I guess I, you see that those videos on TV sometimes and you're like, ah, that, that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, a couple of years ago, our buddy that was down here hunting with us, uh, mm -hmm. Jake had the same thing happen with big boar, shot big it, boar. jumped right up and he had to put 
five or six shells in the boilerplate, yep. you know, to put it down. So yeah, and he had hit that thing. He had had Brad's 270 short and hit it two good shots with that short and um, ran up on the hill, um, crossed the pond and got above us. And, and I was trying to get some video. I got above Jake, above the hog. And uh, Jake's coming up with his AR. And uh, all I saw was that thing getting up and starting to charge him. And he just started letting him have it. 10-round magazine. I think he dumped the 10-round magazine. And that thing just, I mean, literally took all 10 of those rounds and finally just piled up. So, I mean, they're... They are resilient. I mean, the big and that boars. that one had some cutters on oh, it. Yeah. I mean, that thing had, what, probably... Yeah, inch and a half, maybe two, yeah, inch. two inch. Yeah. I mean, the 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 armor plate on those animals. I mean, there's been more times than not we've cut into those things and found, you know, slugs and bullets in their armor plate that really? just never pierced into their cavity. Jeez. So they're... Tough animals. Yeah, they man. are strong, so... And they're just so stout. You know, you think you shoot one of these pigs and it's laying on the ground, you don't think it's... that's You know, they're, shoot, they're only about what, maybe 20, 24 inches from bottom to top. But you grab onto one of those, like that one I shot last night. Yeah, a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, it's pushing 200 pounds, yeah. and it's like, man, they are not small, and they're just dense. Yep. It's densely packed. You were right at, right at 200 on that one, and, uh, yeah, so we took it out and ended up, um, you know, cleaning her out under raining a little bit, got yeah. some cool pictures, and yeah. kind of shared the moment with everyone. And then our, our good buddy, Mr. Brandon Williams is able to join us on yep. the hunt, so he couldn't stick around today and do his first. He was a guy on our very first podcast you ever podcast did. Podcast number so one, podcast the three number of one. us, yeah. Well, Brandon Pork Sword Williams, boots on the ground, <laughs> the Pork Sword. <laughs> da, 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 That's da, gonna be some da, great da. video. That was, that was great. awesome. That was hilarious. It was man. good to have him out. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It's always fun seeing success happen through someone else's eyes and for you to come out and be successful and yeah. be able to hunt a little bit and hang out it's always always good to always good to do that and i told brand as soon as he's here it's like man i'm definitely going to kill something now you're the good luck charm that guy came up to montana two years in a row and shot yep. two bulls i mean that's he amazing, is a charm you know? yeah he's got the luck and he just he's a hunting machine that boy a lot of times i hunt with him it's crazy i've i mean i was the first animal he ever killed with his bow was a coyote and i was with him when he stalked in on it and he does bring some luck because him and I have hunted a lot together and we've 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 killed some stuff together yeah. for sure. It's funny some of those some of those guys just make you better hunters, you know, yeah. your own guys that are yep. patient and want to kill things and Yep. Makes a difference. Yeah, I've always said about pigs, it's like people, you know, I get a lot of messages on social media or text messages about hunting pigs and it's like I'll tell you what I said, you become a better hunter chasing pigs because they're like the ultimate, they're like javelina or any other small, you know, peccary or, or hog species of animal. They're, they're, they're not easy. I mean, there's nothing easy about archery hunting them, but they are like the perfect animal because yeah. again, their center of gravity is so low, but their nose is as good as any other animal in the West. And, uh, it really teaches you, you know, how to keep wind on your side and how yeah. to play the wind. And that's, that is the number one thing. I mean, if you got the wind on your side, as you can see, you can, you could have, you could have probably got in another 10 yards, you know, yeah. slow step, oh, yeah. Yeah. slow step, slow step and got to 20 yards, not you know, great and stuff, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty amazing. I think, you know, the cool thing about around here is they'll be right back in that same field in the morning, probably, you know, yeah. they're just, they were, they're pretty patternable. I think it seems yeah. like if they have a right, you know, place to feed and the feed's right, obviously they probably move wherever the feed's at. The farmer cuts his hay or cuts his barley and sends it away. You know, they're probably not in that field as much, but you can just keep continue to hone your skills hunting these yeah. pigs and it's you know for a resident of california you guys are fortunate enough you could pretty much unlimited right you have yeah. to buy five tags at a time and 
year-round. Right, then you go year-round. So. Yep, you can hunt them year-round. There's no bag mm-hmm. limit. So you got two tags in your pocket, and like last night, had you doubled up, had two tags, totally legal. Yeah, right? yeah which is cool. Yeah. I mean, they are considered an invasive species here in the state, and they are one of the few that depredation permits are, are allotted for. Um, but a lot of the hunters have found that, you know, there's a you manage them. It's like any other animal. So they manage them with people that come in and shoot them. And, you know, and so it's, it's an advantage for a guide and an outfitter. And, and it also is good for the landowner because it, a lot of them get subsidized for it. So, yeah. you know, and the meat you're going to find is, is phenomenal. I mean, there's, I tell yeah. you the meat on these animals when they're, especially this time of year, when they're feeding, putting on a couple pound, maybe a pound a day, eating that barley. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So we hung our hung that one last night. Yeah. Got it cooled off, and uh, we ended up cutting it up this morning. We'll get it sitting down in the freezer right now. So hopefully in the next, you know, half hour, hour, I got to get going uh, yep. to the airport. So we'll get it on a cooler, and I'll take all the meat home with me. And my my little kids love wild oh, meat. Yeah. No. <laughs> They're already asking Dad when they can eat some of the pig that I shot. They want my little seven-year-old girls. <laughs> they want elk meat right now, though. Yeah, they do. Yep. Yeah, the last little hike I went on, my daughter was asking why I can't shoot an elk because we're about running out of ham- hamburger, <laughs> elk burger in the freezer. So that was so good. Then, you got to see, uh, got to yeah. see the quickster, Jason and Wyatt came down. Yep. It was, what, 11, 11, 15, I think we were skin, you finished skinning the pig in, yep. the, in the garage and got yeah, to see Jason. and Your co-host. Hang out, Mr. Quick. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was good. Got to talk, chat with him a little bit. So, yeah, it's been a good trip. Yeah, really, for really sure. appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's been, been awesome. I enjoy having you guys out, and yeah. of course, when I come to Montana, it's always a treat when I'm up there with you guys. But it's always yeah. nice when you guys come down and visit here too. So, yep, I'll try and make this an annual trip. Come down, we'll have to get the other guys around, and it's just fun. It's just a great time. You know, the weather's just perfect down here this time of year, and yeah, it's nice and cool, not too hot during the day. Just great because there's not a lot going on in Montana right now for hunting. You know, uh, most turkey seasons are over. Um, there's still a little bit of bear seasons open in a couple mm-hmm. areas, but for the most part, it's it's getting pretty tough, and then. You got a lull here for us until, until August when antelope archery starts, and so I don't really put in for archery ta- or uh, antelope tags in Montana anymore. I strictly archery hunt up there, so I'm looking forward to the opener there in the middle of August and get going around and chasing those a little bit with the bow. Yeah, so it's yeah. gonna be fun. The fall will be busy, but uh, yep. should be fun and filled with a lot of tags and hopefully some some good memories will be. Yep. will be had in the in the fall season for us so you're it's all gonna, general season for me this year i didn't draw yeah. any tag so <laughs> but even general i mean with with having at least the deer and the elk tag in your pocket you know and then yep. getting the, the the like the 900 tag for antelope i mean yep. you've got you've got a lot of opportunities there to get out and chase some good animals and yep, yeah absolutely i think you need to get out and chase some mule deer with your bow early too i know i need to well now that i'm out in eastern montana where it's a little more there's obviously a lot bigger deer out there and there's more areas to hunt them yeah but yeah i definitely need to i'd like to try that you know especially if i'm going out antelope hunt, go hunt some deer in the yeah, morning and absolutely see if you can find some bedded down and look there you know out there there are a lot in the same places you just check the coolies and up on the flats will be the antelope you go check the coolies down down low and you'll find some deer so yeah yeah i definitely want to do that. i might uh, take you up on a couple of spots that you've for sure you know up north so i'll get uh, you some onyx spots to go look because i know yeah. there's going to be bucks in there yeah right i know on. it i've seen their rubs so yeah yeah that'd be good well yeah, man check it out well i appreciate it lucas it's yeah been a, it's been a great trip down here for i know it was short and yeah i'd like to get out and do some fishing here the next time we go down come down here but you know i appreciate you hosting me here and it was a good hunt and it was fun it's always fun hanging out guide mode 10 millimeter <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what done. though bradley man he's 
he is he's he's a good dude we always seem to get it done when he's around but yeah, yeah it's it's fun yeah he's pretty serious you know it's funny yeah that yeah, was a good time cool man sure. well i'm sure next time i'll see you maybe in july i'll if uh come up i'm planning to drive up for zach's wedding and visit my family and then of course when i come up for elk season and deer season i'll be yep i'll be around another yeah. opportunity there to 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 catch up and and uh see what happens right Absolutely. always visualize how the season's going to go and it usually never goes the way i visualize it but i'm always excited to get up there and yeah strap on the boots and throw the bow in the hand and go for a little walk Yep, you never know what's going to come out in front of you. To hearing all your stories, you know, got blacktail hunting come up here pretty soon. So hopefully, yeah. you can, uh, you guys looking over here in your living room and seeing that monster. You got a lot of work to beat that one. I know. <laughs> you shot a couple of years ago down here. I know. Yeah. That's yeah, what everyone beautiful. says. You probably never shoot a bigger buck than that. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I, I'll take yeah. that as my biggest buck if I ever if I'd ever shoot shoot another blacktail again. But yeah. trying to draw a good blacktail tag here in the state, but. You know, we'll see if we, Jason and I party on that. We'll see if we can get that tag. And then I'll probably have a good chance at maybe putting a 140, 150 class blacktail down. But yep, I saw you already put in today's last day too as well, right? Yep, so. June 2nd for, for California. So, yeah, tags are in for that and draw. We hear in like two weeks, which is one cool thing about yeah, this that's state. that's awesome. Yep. They turn around pretty fast, so. I think all the other states like holding their money for a while or something. I don't know what takes so long, but. I know. Some of them, like Utah, it's like two and a half months. You apply in February and you're here in May. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Well, then you got all those other tags kind of coming in at the same time, trying to make plans for the fall. And that's why I kind of waited on my uh, my moose hunt this year. I was planning on booking something here early this year, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't have another overlapping hunt. And, yep. You know, Nevada results came out uh, last week and I didn't get anything. So it's yep. like, all right. Opens up, your, yeah. opens up your schedule a little bit. Yep. Well, man, travel safe. Will do. Yeah, you got to catch a ride and a flight back home, and you'll be back with the family this evening and back to the grind on Monday, huh? That's right, back to work. Yeah. Keeping the lights on. Yep, understand. Well, appreciate having you here, and uh, like I said, uh, safe travels, and uh, good job on your hunt, man. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Way to stroke that pig with with your bow. Yep, it's always good to get one down with the sharp stick, the boom stick this time. Yep, for sure. Yep, right on. All right, man. Cool, man. Sounds good. Enjoy. Great having you here. Yep. RNA Outdoors, Team RNA. Team RNA. All right, brother. (laughs) Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, Under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. 
We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.